You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut to the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Talk to us just very casually, conversationally about, you know, what it is that you do, your background, how you even got into like media, and then we'll talk about, um, you know, just tips and, and, and things that nurses could do to get in front of the media and how to kind of like work with them. Great. So, um, so I started um, doing media work. I started doing radio work when um, in New York City in around 1985. And there I was a member of the local nurses association at the time that doesn't exist anymore. And it's a shame because it was a training ground for nurses to learn leadership skills, etc. Nonetheless, um, Diane Mancino, she now says Mancino, <laughs> the CEO of the National Student Nurses Association, and she was on the public relations committee for the district. And she was, the station had reached out to the Nurses Association and said, we'd like to have somebody come on and talk about women's health. So Diane went on, did a great job, and they said, would you do a monthly program on, on women's health? And so she and a colleague, Paula Tedesco, had a pro monthly program on the station on women's health, and she, they had a lot of nurses on, and we, I, I was a guest talking when I was chair of the legislative committee for the district, talking about legislation and, and that was at the state level and what, why it was important. So they were wanting to transition off, so they invited myself and Barbara Glickstein, a dear colleague, um, to take over the program. And so we did, and we then moved to being weekly. Uh, and that made a huge difference in our audience and following. So um, we were doing that actually until this year. We had a weekly program on WBAI, but it is a community radio station and they do fundraising marathons and they wanted us to pitch healing water and uh, untested herbal products to, to really vulnerable people who are in the listening audience. And so we said, no, we can't. As nurses, we can't do that. We have to do evidence-based stuff. So they said, we'll move, move you to podcasts. And we said, no, no, we're done. <laughs> so Barbara is now working with a, a new upstart uh, radio station in New York City called Little Water Radio. And I'm doing uh, a program in my upstate community uh, and it's called, and it's on WIOX radio in Roxbury, and it's called um, Health Cetera in the Catskills. So here's the idea of it: is that we our program for WBAI was called Health Cetera for a number of years. It was called Health Styles, and we changed it to Health Cetera. And now what we're looking to do is we have some other people. We have a colleague out in California who's looking to get her college to do, have her do a program that she would call Health Cetera at in the college's name. I'm doing Health Cetera in the Catskills and Barbara's doing Health Cetera in New York City. So to the extent that the programs we're doing are have reach outside of our local communities or relevance outside of our local communities, 
we then um, can really trade off. I could have something from Barbara on my program, but because I really have to focus on the Northern Catskills, I will take a national issue and I may take something she did, but then I have to bring it down to the local Northern Catskill perspective. And we're putting those, we're about to start putting those on iTunes. We have long had our programs on our blog, Health Cetera. Um, and so that's how we got into it. And um, then I was editor of the American Journal of Nursing and learned about journalistic standards and really worked to raise the bar on that journal. And that was, I had some really good colleagues there, George Jacobson being a standout. She's not a nurse, but she should be an honorary nurse. Because <laughs> she, was, she was my senior managing editor and she is a poet and she is with um, the center that Barbara and I are now with at George Washington University, the Center for Health Policy and Media Engagement. And she just always made everything we did better. She had very high standards. She knew journalistic standards better than I did at the time. So it, 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 I learned a lot about print journalism uh, when I was at the journal. And then I started, you know, in various capacities, had opportunities to talk with media. I was president of the local nurses association in the 80s and had a, several interviews there, not all of which went well. Uh, <laughs> did they come to you or did you go to them or how did that work? It came to me because I was president of the local nurse association and there was a shortage at the time of nurses, severe shortage. And I was asked, you know, uh, I, I said something about, you know, if the shortage gets worse, I don't want to have health care in this city. <laughs> I was asked, well, which hospitals would you not want to go to? Oh, no. I had enough sense not to do that. But the quote that found its way into the paper was that I said, I don't want to have to have health care in New York City. <laughs> How do you deal with something like that? That's like the what I'm most afraid of, that I'll say something crazy and that they'll take it and run with it. Well, first of all, you know, sometimes you just have to take the risk and know you'll be misquoted. Second, you do have an option. More recently, I spent a lot of time with a Wall Street editor who was new to the health beat talking about healthcare workforce. And she came out with a piece on nursing and I have a not very popular position in the nursing community on entering the practice. My belief is that associate degree nurses are key to a functioning healthcare system. We need to provide a better career ladder for them. And I think we're starting to move in that direction. But, you know, we, we need too many nurses to get rid of the community colleges and, uh, at least the nursing programs, and there aren't enough baccalaureate programs in remote areas for nurses to, to study. So, I am a belief that nursing, ha I believe that nursing has the best career ladder going. Mm -hmm. So, I shared that with her. Well, what came out in the paper, and I did talk about that magnets, one of the reasons more baccalaureate nurses were going into magnet facilities or, or no, were getting more baccalaureate nurses was that because magnet hospitals require a higher percentage of baccalaureate prepared nurses. And with that, that I thought it was really going to bump up, uh, continue to bump up the percentage of nurses who would go back for a baccalaureate degree. Well, what she put in the paper 
was that I was concerned about Magnet Hospitals re requiring a baccalaureate degree. She did put in that I believe that we needed to keep the community college programs and have this career ladder continue and expedited. So I didn't have a concern with that, knowing that it's not a popular position in nursing and I would hear from colleagues. But I didn't say the other thing about magnets and I contacted her and I said, I didn't say that. And she said, well, you know, um, you know that, that's what I heard. And I said, I didn't say that, that's not my position. I said, I'm not afraid to take a contrary position, but it has to be accurate. This is not one of my positions. And I said, so I want a correction. I want you to do an erratum in the paper. Well, I'm not sure we'll do that. You know, if you want to write a letter to the editor, maybe. So finally, I said, I want to speak to your editor. Oh, wow. <laughs> got on, uh, we had a separate conversation. And I said to her, I didn't, I, what I just said to the other, to the reporter, which, which I just told you. And she said, well, I've looked at, at her notes and that's what she had in her notes. And I said, well, her notes are wrong. <laughs> and I don't mind, again, taking contrary positions, but not if it's not my position. Right. And so she said, well, write a letter to the editor. And um, so I wrote a letter to the editor calling out the error and they changed it. They didn't want to call out the error. They just published what my position was. Okay. So I thought, oh, at least I, you know, got right, that right. <laughs> and I emails from colleagues saying, what the hell are you doing, Diana? You know, why, why are you about magnetic hospitals and I think it's wrong? And I'm working, trying to correct that. But at some so, level, that gives you another opportunity to express yourself to your colleagues. <laughs> the colleagues and the public, because they printed the letter. But I think the important piece is you have to be willing to take some risks and calculated ones. Um, and... And I think the other thing is that you, to feel comfortable with media, you need some tools. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's what helps nurses to do a better job with media. I think we feel like we have to know everything. We're afraid we're going to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. we're, we fear discovery that we're frauds, that we are, uh, what's the what's The, the imposter syndrome. And... Um, we fear that we will be found out that we're imposters. And part of that comes from this sense that anybody can do nursing and they can't, you know, it, it, it is a knowledge and skill-based profession and it, we have to acknowledge and embrace that expertise. I give Suzanne Gordon a lot of credit for pushing the profession to do a better job of describing what we do. Mm -hmm. And that's one of, I think, the major points for your audience is that be prepared to describe the expertise that you have and what difference it makes. What is this model of care going to do for people? How is it going to work? Get detailed in it. Sorry. Get detailed in it. And, um, you know, be prepared to give examples. Examples really bring uh, generalizations alive. Mm -hmm. So have lots of stories to share, of course, stories that are not going to violate HIPAA, uh, but you want, want to be able to, you know, share a story that will, and that's what people will remember. They won't remember the generalization, they remember the story. 
Do you have like a bank of stories that you always kind of keep in your mind that you're going to share with people? It depends on the topic. I do have stories. Yeah, I, I have stories that are just really good stories. I just last night was speaking to a group of nurses um, in New York who are in palliative care. And, you know, most of them are very scared of talking with media. Mm -hmm. And I said, you have to recognize you are the experts in communicating with the public. And you have to tell your PR departments that mm -hmm. you are talking with the public. And, and so you will well represent the organization. And I gave them a story of doing a radio program years ago on urinary incontinence. And I had a crackerjack nurse, nurse practitioner on dealing with incontinence and one of the hotshot physicians in New York City who deals with incontinence. He comes in late. We're already having the conversation. I'm having the conversation with this woman. Her name was Diane. We're already having the conversation. He jumps in and assumes that because the physician has arrived, he's the one who should be doing the talking. And he really tried to take over the interview. And as an interviewee, as a host, I don't want that. I'm in control of this interview, not you. So I really tried to set some boundaries. Well, we took calls. And one of the calls was from a man who said, so my mother-in-law is living with us <clears throat> and she has this problem. She is incontinent of urine and it's starting to smell our house, our chairs oh. are starting to smell. And he said, I don't know what to do with it. And the, this physician jumps right in and says, well, did she have a euro this and a euro that? All of these jargony tests that suddenly this man who called in with a voice of certainty that he needed help was in a place, you could hear it in his voice of uncertainty that he had done the right thing, that maybe he had failed in what he should have done. And so this physician is going off with all of these jargony terms. Diane steps in and says, so have you tried to have a conversation with your mother-in-law about it? And he said, you know, I'm just really not comfortable with that. And she said, well, what about your wife having the conversation? Could you talk to your wife about having the conversation? He said, well, I'm not quite sure what to do. She has the same problem. <sighs> And Diane proceeded to walk him through on the air how to have the conversation with his wife about her own incontinence. Wow. And it was a profound moment and distinction between how physicians are approaching. It's a disease. We have to diagnose it. I'm God and I'm going to use the most highfalutin language I can to impress upon you, um, you know, my knowledge and skill. And Diane, who figures out where is the person at, how do I meet them where they're at? It right. was a moment. I love that. So I, we have, that's the story I use over and over to, with nurses to say, own your expertise. Know that what you know about patients and how to communicate to them is what makes for good uh, media stories, for good interviews, etc. Yeah, no, I love that because that's one of the things that I push with um, my own nursepreneurs is that, you know, people don't need more information at this point. We are inundated with information. They need somebody to help them go from point A to point B. Like, how do I use this information? That's right. That's so. right.
Um, I want to go back to something that you said earlier about radio, because you made it sound so easy, like all I have to do is call the radio up and say I want a weekly um, show. I mean, how does something like that work? Right. Is that well, what you did? <laughs> in the, the station came to nursing in that case, but we do work with nurses around the country who are interested in doing this work. And often, and what our advice is to find your particularly a community radio or television station they that might need programming and approach them with doing a, a special programming or coming on a program as a guest and then do a great job and then propose to them i'd like to propose a monthly series initially and here would be the topics and here's how i would approach it and this just happened down in in nashville tennessee carol meyer who is a on faculty i think at the university of tennessee nashville and she is a senior fellow in our center uh, at George Washington University. She um, was actually had been a guest talking about health policy uh, in, in Nashville on a radio station. And they actually came to her and said, would you consider doing a program? And she's now doing that and she has expanded it. She went back to them and said, I'd like to do a series on such and such. And they said, sure, do it. So I, I think there are great opportunities, particularly on community radio stations, uh, access community access TV stations, TV stations. But I also think that nurses need to, if you're affiliated with an organization, reach out to your PR department and tell them, here's, here's the knowledge I have, here are the, here are the topics that I can speak about. And I'd like you to pitch me to a couple stations mm -hmm. and select topics that are timely, um, topics that you feel really comfortable with that really tap into your expertise. And, um, and one of the things we do, Barbara and I do do media training of nurses. And one of the things we teach nurses is framing. How do you figure out who you're, you identify who your audience is? What, what is the, what are their values and beliefs? And how is your message, how can you frame your message in a way that coincides with that, those values and beliefs? And then once you have that, a sense of, okay, I need to take this tax cut bill and emphasize the fact that if we lose the individual mandate that's just been added, that your insurance premiums, if you're sick, are going to go higher. And I have to explain why. Mm -hmm. And so the frame for the audience may be healthcare costs need to be down. And the loss of the individual mandate will drive those costs up for those people who really have to because they're sick. Right. So you then develop those three key messages. And if you watch the nightly news or you watch CNN and Fox News and all of those talking heads programs where they're interviewing people you can see people who are guests won't always answer the question mm -hmm. the journalists they stay on their messages and they're so, very skilled at doing that so that's very purposeful so they're not really answering the exact question they just have sound bites that they need to get out and it's not always just sound bites it may be a deeper dive into a sound bite but they don't want to go where the journalists went they want to stay on their messages Mm -hmm. So 
say that's a very good question. What I know is <laughs> that's so, a good segue. Yeah, it's a very good segue. Um, I just need to also understand you don't have to answer the journalist to you. You can say I'm I don't have an answer to that question. You know, I, I you just don't want to get trapped in something that right. Uh, like being asked, <laughs> do I not, which are the worst hospitals in New York City? <laughs> that is such a rabbit hole. Yeah. Oh God, that would have been awful. <laughs> Diana Mason says this hospital stinks. <laughs> but I, in keeping with what you're trying to do, Katie, I think one of the things for nurses to think about is you must have that marketing plan. And that marketing plan must include how do you communicate your work to the public? And that means you need to get media savvy. And how do you develop those media skills? Mm -hmm. So we are going to, we're gonna start doing media training, open it up. But if you already are with an organization, approach your PR department and say, I'd like to get some media training. You know, and if you're, if it's a good organization, um, they might be used to pitching physicians. That was my experience. Mm -hmm. They were taken aback when I said, we want to talk with you about pitching nurses to media. I'm sort of taken back by that, but I think if you pick a few stars in your organization who are nurses and say, imagine having journalists have access to these people, they could walk circles around how to communicate with public compared to physicians. Right. So if your organization's not willing to do that, I mean, that's something you could still do on your own for your own business. Like, how would you even go about finding like journalists, like, or what I would do is suggest, first of all, that if you have a board that you're putting together for your organization or an advisory group, mm -hmm. find some marketing and public relations. Um, for journalists, they're not going to tell you the tricks of the trade. Mm -hmm. You know, they they want to get they want to get you off your game. They don't they don't like the Barbara and I do framing. We're members of the Association for Healthcare Journalists. They don't like that we teach nurses about framing and messaging and how to stay on message. They don't want that. They mm -hmm. want to be able to drill on the questions they have and to get you to spill your guts on something and maybe like which are the worst hospitals in New York City. That would be a story for them if I had disclosed it. But if you have a friend who is a journalist, you could certainly ask them to help get your story out. Otherwise, I would say go look for media training. Uh, but that's how you control an interview. Usually that's what that's about. I think what you need is somebody who can work with you to get you in front of those media outlets. Mm -hmm. The one way to do this proactively beyond, so obviously social media, so Facebook and Twitter, you should be having messages for and continuing to have messages, a message a day as you're getting your practice going or, or business going. Um, and continue that. Um, so social media, but you can also write a commentary about, so let's say you are starting a, an initiative on working with parents and teachers to um, help them to be better at addressing children's behavioral problems and improving acts, uh, performance in school uh, and likelihood of graduation and the parent-child bond 
Okay. And there are edge runner programs, two of them that do this. Um, so you're doing this work. So you might write a commentary on uh, the fact that we have these problems in our society that are things like opioid addiction, school dropout rates going up, teen births going up, and that one way to deal with these is move upstream and to design to have a program that would work with parents and teachers to do a better job of identifying and addressing children's behavioral issues early on mm -hmm. before they take over the child. And so you could write a commentary about uh, toxic stress in childhood or, you know, the link between behavioral problems in children and long-term performance in school and health. So you could do it without even referring to your business. Right. Um, you could do that. And then your, your title is that you're the president and CEO of Childhood uh, Inc. Right. You know, um, so, so I, I think there are ways to get your name out there to be seen as the expert in an area. Um, so op-eds are a good way to do that. Okay. How about like press releases? Have you seen people use press releases to any good effect or not really? They used to be much more helpful than they are. They still are. You still see press releases being done and released. Um, I think you have to have a good media list to have those have an impact, but I wouldn't skip that step. Mm -hmm. The other thing you could do is a press conference. So you could partner with some others in the community who's maybe have somebody, let's stay with the childhood behavioral issues and somebody from the school who's saying, I'm concerned about the behavioral issues these children have and the fact that we need to address this earlier on and we believe it will help with reducing dropout rates. Um, so you could have somebody from the school on, you could have a parent on uh, maybe who had a, a child with a behavioral issue. You could have uh, maybe somebody who uh, is a, an esteemed parent in the community who believes this is the way to go. Um, you might have somebody who deals with funding for such initiatives come on as well. So I, I think it's a way to get attention. Uh, if you do a press conference, you would do it either in a place where press conferences take place in your community or you would do as MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving did. When they first started their work against drunk driving, they put a wrecked car on the lawn of a high school before prom night and held an event there after people started asking, why is there a wrecked car in prom So they were able to use that as an example of, this is what's happening your team if you don't provide a designated driver. That's great. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really powerful. <laughs> um, so if you were going to set up a press conference like that, would you just call like, um, I don't know, Channel 3 News and say, you know, we're all meeting at such and such a school to talk about these issues? Or how would you even get a journalist there? So usually you'd, you'd work with a PR person, okay. but yeah, you could call up the local reporter who covers the education or health beat or child youth family beat. And, oh, and here's another trick. 
you could do it and say, we're going to have this uh, conference, this press conference, but I would like you to be, give you a heads up about it. I would like you to be the designated television station to get the heads up and I will meet with you ahead of time. So you can do that. Now we've done that successfully in New York when we were trying to get make visible the New York State Action Coalition for the Future of Nursing Work. We went out to a radio station and said, we'd like to give you an exclusive. And this was for the morning of a conference that was to kick off the Action Coalition. So we had a local radio station, a regional radio station in upstate New York, send a reporter who covered it, who interviewed me and interviewed others associated with the coalition. Uh, we went out to a television station. I don't know, I can't remember whether they showed up. And we also had an op-ed ready to go for the major newspaper up in the area. And they may have come too, print media may have come too. So if you offer an exclusive to the various media outlets, it's another way to make them feel like, okay, I better show up. If you're, it, it's hard. The other thing is that it's hard these days. Journalists are covering so many beats. It's no longer a health journalist. They might be covering health and education. So a, a great thing to do is a webinar. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do a press conference that can be beamed out, uh, you would put that in a press conference and people can join that way. You could still ask questions. You're much more likely to get to this page. Okay, so I'm getting the real essence that a lot of the, the onus to get your message out is on you, that you're not just going to call up the media and they're going to, you know, pounce on you. It's just you really have to put the effort in and just keep hitting the pavement. It's a real grassroots movement on your part. It is, but it's why I, <clears throat> so look, our, our expertise <clears throat> is in health and healthcare. And while people like you <clears throat> have developed other skill sets that are really important to being entrepreneurs, Many are not, and we know that from the Edge Runner program. When we talk to the Edge Runners, <clears throat> one of the biggest things, they, most common themes is, you know, I, I didn't know what to do, how to do a business plan. I didn't know how to do a marketing plan. So I would advise, put a team of friends and neighbors and colleagues, acquaintances together, who can work with you on launching this work and keeping it going. Mm -hmm. So you would have legal person, you would have the PR person, you would have a business plan person. And sometimes, Katie, it used to be that there is a women's business group where you could, as a woman, go to them and show them what your business plan is at this point, and they would ha have somebody work with you to develop that business plan as a way of women supporting women. I don't know if that still exists, but that's Yes, it good. does. Good, good, good. It's a good resource. Yeah. No, that, that's great. Um, I, now, you keep mentioning the Edge Runners. Uh, I know that that's part of the, the Fellows of the American Association Nurses Program. Can you talk about that a it, little bit just for people that don't know what it is? Yeah, it's the American Academy of Nursing. Academy, thank you. And if you go to aannet.org and look under initiatives for Edge Runners, you'll find them. I think they're about 60 now. And oh, wow. if, if you've done something that's innovative, uh, so it's it's a designation, Edge Runner is a designation for innovative nurses who have developed innovative models of care, 
for which there are good clinical and financial outcome data. And it has to move beyond just a local unit. You mm -hmm. have to have somehow to some extent. So it could have been that you did it on your own unit and now it's going through the whole system that you work in. Um, or it could be that you have this NIH funded grant to test out this intervention with parents and teachers and children to ma better manage behavioral issues. And now you've done this in one city, now you're taking it to another city. Okay. That sounds really entrepreneurial, like it, there's a lot of parallels between what I'm doing and what the edge runners are doing. Oh, absolutely. Many of them are entrepreneurs. They've started their own businesses. They've started their own community health centers. Um, they've started um, uh, an assisted living facility, Marilyn Rance, R-A-N-T-Z. She, she's done amazing work with long-term care in, uh, uh, where is she? In Missouri, Missouri, Missouri. <laughs> not Missouri, Missouri. <laughs> so, so there's a host of people on that website. Some have done the work within a large organization, but others have just gone out and done it. Mm -hmm. And and the issues has been funding, mm -hmm. and the extent to which you've got the funding that can sustain you and the funding stream. So that's where the business plan comes in. And the marketing plan is that if people don't know about you, then they might close you. And that happened to a, an edge runner. There were two, two geriatric uh, nurse experts, uh, Meridian Moss and Janet Spate. And they were both working in long-term care. One of them, I think it was Meridian, was the chief nurse of a long-term care facility. And they had a conversation one night about how you know, we would not put our own parents in these facilities we're working for. It's just not the right model of care. So they bought a house, a ranch style house, and were able to, with it was fenced in with some land around it. And it was small. I want to say they only took about 18 people. They hired not the usual CNA, but they hired people who maybe had a background uh in uh you know activities or what have you psychology whatever they hired people to to support this idea that this is these are people with dementia who are in here and this is your home and you do what you want to do you know as long as you're not harming others and they would work to find out that for instance this man over here had been a uh, gardener and they engaged him in gardening around the house. Another uh, resident who had been a pharmacist and they invited him in to, you know, what do you think about these medications? Not that it was, you know, going to make a difference, but they had conversations with him about this. That's so what they, Yeah, what they found was that patients who had come for res, residents who had come from other facilities actually improved. These are people with dementia. And those who already had a certain level of disability were able to stabilize. They didn't have that downward trajectory. The family was encouraged to come anytime, eat with them, do whatever. They, it was just a really innovative model. While the state decided it needed to have new regulations for facilities, and they were going to have to re assisted living facilities, they were going to have to redesign their whole facility um, to have come up to code essentially. 
So they worked on getting an exemption that if you had good outcomes, you could be exempt from this code, but you had to demonstrate that you had these outcomes. Well, it was Tom Vilsack, who was the uh, governor at the time, and he vetoed it. And he said in the example of this facility that, you know, it was about protecting the public. Well, no, it wasn't. It was being stuck in regulations that don't serve people well. And they had to close their facility. Oh, no. Yes, they had to close it. Now, had the governor known about this facility and the fact that it was raved about by people who had patients there or residents there, family members, community members, if he, if news stories had been done uh, to a greater extent on this facility and the outcomes they have in a new model of care, if they had invited the governor, come visit us, come see what we do, I think he would have been less likely to veto it. So the importance of the media coverage on your good work should not be understated. Yeah, <laughs> if it's a difference between you having a business and not having a business, definitely. Exactly. And this is a little off track, but I love that story because it's, you know, it reminds me, I don't know, you might have posted um, on Facebook about the Alzheimer's uh, in, the, in the Netherlands that they have, where it's kind of that same concept where they can wander around and, and do what they want. And, you know, yeah. it's just kind of a, simulates a, a wonderful community. And that's, it's, I love that. That sticks with me so much. And this story sounds just like it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, all right. Well, do you have uh, any final thoughts or uh, something that you want to say, you know, for the nurses at the end of this or? I, I, I really think it's one recognized. We must somehow embrace the expertise that we have. Mm -hmm. If you embrace that I am knowledgeable about nursing, I am knowledgeable about health. I don't have to have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. And there are people out here appearing on these talk shows who are putting themselves up as experts, giving their opinions on things, and they don't know anything about the topic. You do. And the idea that you have to embrace that. And if you own your, it's Benner's work of power from expertise, expert power. And it's owning that power that you potentially have. And remember, we continue to be number one in Gallup poll on the most trusted profession. The public trusts us. So when you speak, the public will take note. And I just would encourage people to tool up. If you're really scared about this, get yourself tooled up, get the media training, get advice from a PR person, get somebody on board on your, your board or what have you. Uh, get a PR marketing firm to help you with the outreach. You don't have time to do all that outreach. So get some help. Um, but do it, you know, got nothing to lose. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Diana, thank you so much. I'm going to stop the record here.